All right, all right, all right. Okay, Matthew McConaughey. Perfect. Thank you, Emily. That's all I needed. Oh, my word. Hey, welcome to the High End Groupcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Emily. And today, we get to talk about anxiety. And I'm excited to have my boy, Matthew Quaid, with us. Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being with us again. I'm going to tell a funny story now. And uh, we met a few days ago to record this, and Matt did... Knocked it out of the park. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. It was beautiful uh, how amazing he did. And then I realized <laughs> I had recorded none of it. And so he's graciously um, <laughs> accepted an invitation to come back and talk about it again, anxiety. So, Matt... Uh, for our listeners out there, why don't you give them a little bit of an idea about who you are? Awesome. Yeah. So I'm glad to be back again. Um, I was hoping, you know, I, I felt like it went well and I was like, man, I hope they asked me to be on a pod- podcast again someday. But I didn't think it would <laughs> you didn't know it'd be so quick. You're our yeah, first two time guest. <laughs> first right. two time guest. Um, that's right. So, uh, yeah, so, so, um, I'm Matt Quaid. I'm a professor, uh, the business school at Baylor. I'm a management professor. Um, I've been in Waco for, uh, let's see, about almost six years. Um, my wife and I started attending Highland shortly after we moved to Waco. We've been members of Highland uh, since then. And uh, My wife's name is Jessica. We've got three boys, uh, Noah, who is seven, Caleb, who is five, and Joshua, who is four. Um, we've been involved in um, lots of different things at Highland since we've been at Highland. We uh, have have been a part of the Home Builders ABF and some of the help with some of the leadership in that class um, over the years. Um, we have led a CG and been a part of um, CGs at, at different times in our uh, stint at Highland. Um, and I've helped with men's ministry um, initiatives and the Bible study specifically on Wednesday nights. I've helped um, with some of the organization there as well as some of the teaching um, in that uh, space. So um, we're super, super grateful for Highland. We love uh, Highland and, um, yeah, so I'm excited to, to be with uh, Jeremy and Emily here. Mm. I remember, I, I know I shared this the first time we recorded this, <laughs> but meeting you guys, and um, I love telling people this story about your wife, and uh, I love Jessica. She's wonderful. But when Mark and I, we first moved here, we had one child. We were getting frozen yogurt. We didn't know a soul in Waco. And I remember um, the next day visiting Highland, and I think it was our second time there probably, uh, and this cute little petite brunette came up to me on the preschool floor, and she said, hi, were you at, I don't know, You Swirl or something, whatever the frozen yogurt place is, uh, last night? And I said, yes, we were. And she turns out she, you know, she said, the, you know, I felt like the Lord was telling me that I should go and invite you to Highland and specifically to our new adult Bible fellowship that's starting today, uh, specifically for young families. And, you know, she said, I was so frustrated with myself last night because I chickened out and I didn't go talk to you. So I've been praying that God would bring you to Highland today so that I could meet you and your family. And, um, and that was huge for us just to have that personal connection there and uh, just seeing the way that the Lord kind of ordained even us running into the hallway like that, which was awesome. So we got involved with Home Builders and eventually your CG, actually, which was so fun. Um, so yeah, we our family loves the Quades for sure. 
Yeah, that was a fun story. I mean, I remember um, being there and seeing you guys um, at the at the uh, yogurt shop and seeing your vehicle with the Georgia dog sticker on it and going, I wonder if they're, you know, new to town or uh, maybe even like related to Baylor somehow. And then we, you know, kind of chickened out and didn't say anything to you in the moment, but then saw you at church. Jessica got to see you the next day at church, which was really fun. So uh, that is a cool story how the Lord kind of works things out. One thing that I've noticed um, since I've come to Highland is that most of my favorite people in ministry at Highland aren't Texan. Um, and so specifically for you, I'll say one of the things that you've done. One, uh, you would be one of those people that Drew Humphrey, our college pastor, would call a Highland hero because you guys, you would literally do anything to the point where I feel like I've had to tell you, hey, don't do that. Don't don't do that. Maybe say no to that. But uh, man, one of the things I've always been encouraged by is the fact that you've just been so willing to jump in and so willing to serve. And the fact that you're from Oklahoma hasn't really even factored into our <laughs> friendship very much, right? So you're not a right. yeah. You're a you're a cowboy, right? Not one of those wicked Sooners, but uh, that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, my wife, my wife and I both went to Oklahoma State, so we uh, we can have a common distaste for for the Sooners uh, together. And uh, yeah, we we uh, we actually only have one native Texan. Um, I, I guess Caleb is our is mm. our lone native Texan. Uh, we got some Okies and a, a son from China, so we're we're kind of all over the map. But I'm grateful yeah. to be in Texas. Yeah. Well, hey, man, we are, again, just so uh, grateful that you decided to come and to hang out with us. And um, one, I, I don't know if a lot of people who maybe know you or even uh, um, know Highland or listening to the podcast would know why we have you on right now. So uh, can you just share a little bit of your story, why it is that we would have you on specifically as we talk about anxiety? I would have had, had some experience with, with anxiety, um, lest you have me on to, to talk about it as a poser, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so, uh, man, I can, I can kind of feel like I, as far back as I can remember struggling with fear, I was, I think I was sort of always bit towards fear as a kid. Um, I can remember as a young kid being afraid of, of things quite a bit, you know, lots of kids have fears. Um, and so I don't think it would, would have been chalked up to anxiety at that point, but I can remember moments uh, that were kind of like deep seated, um, that maybe, maybe would be more tending towards anxious or anxiety. Um, you know, I can remember like Saturday afternoon being at the mall with my family and kind of like getting this, this pent up feeling of, of, um, tension and, and worry about, Oh my gosh, tonight I'm going to have to go to bed in my bed and I'm not going to be able to get to sleep. tonight. I had a, a long stretch where I really would uh, struggle getting to sleep at night and, um, you know, wore my parents pretty slick with that one for many years. Um, in the last three years, I, I'd say I've experienced more kind of like legitimate diagnosable anxiety and, and has, um, talked to some counselor or talked with a counselor on occasion. Um, had conversations with Jeremy, you, you and I have talked about this quite a bit and uh, talked with my doctor about it. So, um, you know, as I grew older, I started to have kind of more fears related to like dying, dying young. I think these things sort of like uh, grew as I was married and had kids and, and sort of like my responsibilities in life became more amplified. Some of those things sort of came to the surface. Um, I think one of the the, the stories that's especially relevant to stare, to share is right before we went to China to adopt our son, Joshua, um, 
And I think much of this was, was spiritual warfare, but also a lot of just stress that had built up in the form of anxiety was kind of manifesting itself in physical uh, discomfort, specifically in my chest. I was feeling a lot of like discomfort and chest pain. And one night I was convinced that this was it. I was having a heart attack. We were, I mean, I remembered it vividly. It was, it was March 10th, uh, 2018. We were uh, reading bedtime stories in the Bible to our, to our two boys at the time. And I told Jessica, I was like, I'm having a heart attack. Like I can't, like I'm freaking out. And so she was like, okay, what do you need to do? I said, I'm going to drive to the urgent care, the ER, to the, to the little pop-up ER shop. So I go there and they do an EKG and uh, they say, you know, it doesn't look like you've had a heart attack. Uh, we want to monitor you for a couple hours. We'll do another EKG. So they did that. You know, no signs of a heart attack. Um, throughout the course of the next few days, I was really bothered by that. And then I can vividly remember it was March 18th. So it was eight days later. We were sitting in the gathering, and I was convinced it was happening again, and this time it was really a heart attack. And um, after the gathering was over, we left uh, church. We didn't go to ABF, and I was just convinced, like, you know, this is, I can't shake this. Like, what is this? Is this a, is this a heart attack? Is this really a heart attack? So we went to the ER again, um, and again, they, they said, you know, seems like everything's fine, you know. Um, this was four days before we were supposed to go to China. So on the on the backs of a prayer um, from, you know, faithful brothers and sisters, most of whom were at Highland. Uh, we uh, went off to, to China and for two weeks, I didn't have one moment where I had any manifestations of that fear or anxiety that I'd had in the weeks leading up to it. Um, it was a, it was a peace in many ways, like I hadn't experienced. And then as soon as we got back, literally the next day after we arrived back in the U S um, I had another just moment where I felt like I'm dying. Like this is going to happen right here, right now. Um, and so the next couple months were really dark related to that. And, um, that's when I really you know, sought out conversations, uh, from, from wise counsel, um, Jeremy and a professional counselor that, that I met with on uh, four or five occasions. And so anyway, that's sort of a long backstory, but there's been lots of experiences. And since then there's been mm -hmm. lots of victories and, um, yeah. some moments where I felt like it was kind of overcome by it again. But, um, anyway, that kind of brings you up to speed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good for us just kind of at the outset here to kind of walk through some uh, definitions. Right. And so you, you talked about fear, you talked about anxiety and uh, and what we all know is that fear can be a really good thing. Right. There's a fear that preserves life. Even the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then there's a fear that can paralyze. And I think when we're talking about anxiety, one of those things that um, we want people to understand is is it really is that prolonged fear response. And so you've got that thing that goes off in your brain, that fight, flight, uh, or freeze response that happens in this moment of fear. And in anxiety, it's just a constant state of that. And I think, you know, especially um, as we record this on, I don't even know what today is, but it's June. Oh yeah, dude, it's June 9th. Yesterday was my birthday. Uh, as we record this on June 9th, we see a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear, uh, in our nation. And I think we really are just coming up with an undercurrent of anxiety that kind of, um, infiltrates and, um, just pro proliferates at the, um, kind of just the bottom of everything where we are now. And so, uh, when we're thinking about anxiety, we're not just talking about like I get I get scared every now and again. So like even with your um, e even with your with your chest pains, it wasn't just this moment of oh I, I got scared and then all of a sudden I had that and then it just kind of went away. But it's this prolonged state uh, that that for you kind of 
uh, ended up in some physical manifestations of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think it's good and important and right for our people to understand that there is fear. There's a good fear that preserves life, then there's um, the tendency that we may have to indulge fear, but then that anxiety is just that prolonged fear response, that fight-flight response always being up. We're always looking over our shoulder or behind the—we're looking for the—it's that worst-case scenario will absolutely—or maybe, I don't want to project. Do you find that in your anxiety that you find yourself playing out the worst-case scenario and thinking that's the one that has to be true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, oftentimes I feel like that is uh, a good way to describe what my anxiety tends to look like is sort of playing out worst-case scenarios in my head, whether it's related to health of myself or loved ones or um, safety in a particular setting or um, you know, a circumstance that I want to work out a particular way and I'm fearful that it won't. Um, you know, I think we talked about last week when we recorded just the idea or didn't record, but, but talk together in a good way. Um, just this sort of like troubled or unsettled spirit that, mm. that can't, that can't rest or struggles to rest in the grace and peace of the Lord. Like, I mean, that, that would more be what I would say would be a Christian definition of it. Right. Those yeah. of us who, who know and, and follow the Lord and we just, we know that we should be able to rest in the grace and peace of the Lord, but like our, our, spirit is just unable to do so. And I think like you hit the nail on the head, Jeremy, it's this prolonged state um, that can last, you know, hours, days, weeks, months, years, right. And just, and, and can ebb and flow even within those seasons. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's sort of sometimes this sense too, that you just sort of feel overwhelmed because you feel like, am I going to be able to walk through this thing? Like, is there another side to this? Will I get through this? Is there a light at the end of this tunnel? Mm. Um, and I think you can even begin as a Christian to feel, you know, ashamed for experiencing it because mm-hmm. you look at scriptures and it says, do not be anxious. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost becomes that thing where the more you, you are told not to focus on it, the more you focus on it. So, yeah. um, we'll, we'll get into some scripture more, but, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it definitely is a worst case scenario thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, and that kind of leads on to um, one of the questions that I have for you. And, and when we didn't record last week, <laughs> when we talked last week, one of the things that you brought out, which was so good, uh, was just different places in scripture where we see anxiety. And I think that it's important for us to understand just the sufficiency of scripture to, pe- to speak to every issue that we face. And so where in scripture do you see, um, you know, God speak to you and address fear and anxiety? What has been kind of key for you? Yes. I mean, I think there's two big things that I always have focused on. Um, and I feel like I'm even growing in them. Shoot, even in the last week, after we talked last week, um, I feel like I've been growing in this as, as some of these things have welled up. And, I, you know, I, honestly, I, I shared some things with some men at my table uh, related to anxiety at the end of our fall uh, Bible study. And it was right after that that I sort of had a flare up again. And then even last week, as I uh, shared some things with you guys. I, I felt some things flare up within the last week. And so it's, it's interesting because I almost feel like, at least in my own experience, there's sort of this, if you if you share these things, if you make yourself vulnerable and expose these things, then um, you might walk through some more trials. And that's mm-hmm. not, I'm, I'm not trying to put that on yeah. anyone or make them feel like, oh man, I better not share it then. But, um, you know, even, even the fact that, that a podcast that we think went really well last week just accidentally didn't get recorded, right? There can be this spiritual warfare around, um, 
around these issues because it's a lot like sin. Um, I'm not calling it sin, but I'm saying it's similar in that it, it really um, breeds and grows in darkness. Mm. Um, and so when we, when we sort of protect or, um, well, what would be effectively protecting the anxiety by keeping it in the dark and sh- not sharing it with anyone, we, we, we let it grow and fester in ourselves. So a couple of places in scripture I would point people to, um, I mean, certainly most people are familiar with like in Luke 12, it talks about, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, or your, about your body, what you put on, right? Um, what you mean by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. Um, we're familiar with Jesus's words there, right? Um, we're also familiar with most of the Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which I want to I want to read a little bit of this to everybody because um, there's a key part in here that I think is key to kind of anxiety as a Christian and what we need to think about. So, you know, uh, Philippians 4, this is Paul, right? His letter to the Philippians, he's kind of closing out his letter through with, with exhorting them and encouraging them. Um, he says in verse 6, you not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, I mean, those two verses are verses that I've committed to memory. I find myself praying them when I'm getting anxious. Um, however, oftentimes I think uh, people are, when people are struggling with anxiety, they think they focus on that thing, right? It's like the elephant in the room. And once you see it, you can't not look at it, right? And when we say, don't be anxious, it, it almost makes us focus on it even more. But if you look at verses eight and nine, here's actually a way to kind of like shift focus. And practically speaking, I think this has helped me in many ways when I've dealt with anxiety in ways that have been more beneficial and, and it's provided some victory. Verse eight says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so in those moments where I'm anxious, if I'll actually focus on things besides just trying to go, Matt, don't be anxious, like mm, focus on the Lord. Yeah. Like if I will actually open the scriptures and read them, or um, if I will uh, read a book that has been uh, helpful counsel for me in, in dealing with something, or if I will actually just use my hands to create something, like playing with Legos with my kids has been mm. therapeutic at times, right? If we will focus on things that are good and right, Hmm, um, it will good. help us shift our focus. And then I like in verse nine that Paul sort of says, Hey, see the things that I've done in front of you, Philippians, like model those things. And so I think we can look at the life of Jesus. We talked about this last week, right? That like, um, if we look at the life of Jesus, think about, um, all of the experiences that he walked through in which most of us would have been like totally panicked, right? Like, um, and yet he's asleep on a boat in the midst of a storm and his disciples are freaking out and they wake him up and say, Jesus, don't you care about us? And he says, you know, of course, like, and he just says, be still, right? And, and the, the storm is immediately calmed. And so we, we can see this and, uh, throughout all of Mark when we did the Bible study this spring, my table in particular, like guys every week were just saying, man, it just seems like Jesus is so calm in every circumstance. He's always even keeled. Um, and so I don't think it's always that we need to just look at scriptures, like go to a concordance and look up anxiety, but how can we also just look at the scriptures, like the life of Jesus, or look at the Israelites throughout Exodus and see how circumstances that would cause us, like put yourself in that story and go, yeah, I'd be pretty overwhelmed with, with worry and, and tension and nervousness, but yet look at these people and they, they remained, uh, faithful at times. <laughs> the Israelites didn't at times as well, but. Um, anyway, Jeremy, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, I think you, um, kind of hit it on the head. One of the things that I, I hopefully, 
um, people can draw encouragement from in their anxiety is the number of people in the in the scriptures who do struggle with um, an anxiousness. I mean, you see it uh, in David, like despair. I'm despairing to the point of death. Like, why don't you just kill me? You see it in uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, right? He's just destroyed um, these prophets of Baal, and then he runs away to a cave because the queen says, I'm, I'm going to kill you. And, and so you find him just racked with anxiety, and, uh, and you see it even a little bit in Jesus, right? Like not in um, the sinful, indulgent way where I'm just I'm giving myself over to my anxiety, but really this, like he's praying to the point where drops of blood are dripping down like sweat, right? And so mm-hmm. we see uh, at, at times this anxiousness maybe uh, in the scriptures, but uh, one of the things, and I think you said it well, is um, for the most part, those heroes in the faith that we look in, there's always this sort of turn, right? And so for Elijah, we see God come to him in the cave and speak to him, right? Uh, and, and what he says there is, you're looking at you, right? You're looking at you. Uh, we see it in David, right? Uh, I, I love it in Psalm 42, right? Why are you downcast, O oh, my soul? Hope in God. Hope in God. And then in Jesus, not your will, or not my will. Sorry, that was exactly opposite <laughs> of what Jesus said. Not my will, but your will be done. And so I, I feel like all the time, as I'm walking with people through different uh, parts and pieces of their anxiety, uh, one of the things that I always say is we're, we're trying to lift people's gaze. And this is not just with anxiety. That's with fear. That's with depression. That's with doubt. That's with all sorts of things, because all of these things have a tendency to get us concentrated on ourselves. How am I doing? Even when we're not anxious, we're thinking about, how am I doing today? I'm not anxious today. That's a good thing. And I'm just thinking about me, me, me. Um, and, and not to say that anxiety is um, just for selfish people, but the reality is all, all sin, um, right? And again, I want to be really clear, and when I talk about anxiety, what I mean by all sin, that's um, sin of my own decisions and my own bad choices, sin of someone else's against me, or the reality that I live in a broken and fallen world that is just racked with sin, right? And so everything falls under that. Anxiety falls under that. Depression falls under that. Um, all of the um, murders and killings and and cancer and those things fall under that. So when I say sin, I mean it broadly. Just want you to know. So if you're struggling <laughs> with anxiety out there, I'm not calling you sinful, but I'm saying that as a result of sin, there's a tendency for us to drive inward when the scriptures are really clear that we want to focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, which I think is another reason why when we're trying to walk with people through anxiety, some of the sometimes when we go to those scriptures and we say, well, but look, the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, mm-hmm. right? Um, and again, kind of driving them back to themselves and say, look, you're anxious, but the Bible says, don't be anxious. And so just stop mm-hmm. being anxious because the Bible says so. Where even in those passages, I think so many times what you see is uh, really the Lord trying to reorient us to where we're looking. And so Matthew 6, which I think is, you know, kind of the first place you and I went when you came 
and spoke with me and where I have a tendency to go a lot. People love to go to the end of Matthew 6, right, after you uh, talk about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and then they go to verse 34, and they say, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So just don't worry about it, man. Just just stop being anxious. And that's really hard. But if we go to the beginning of 6, and we kind of see... What Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to reorient our gaze where he just says, hey, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. And the question that always follows that is how does one lay up for themselves treasures in heaven? How's that done? How's that accomplished? Well, that's through obedience and service, and none of those things really have to do with looking at me, right? Uh, And then it talks about the eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And I think, where are your eyes placed, right? So first, where is your treasure? And then where is your eye looking? What are you focusing on? Because if I'm focusing on me, that's unhealthy. And what I get there is darkness. And I think we've all experienced that over and over, right? Where I'm looking to my own wisdom. I'm looking to my own strength. I'm looking to my own uh, health, even. Like, am I anxious today? Or am I not anxious? That's just, that's an unhealthy. But then as we look to the Father of lights, right? Uh, As we look to the light of the world who has overcome the darkness, um, then what we find is health and life. And then in verse 24, we get masters. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and he will despise the other. And so again, it's where is your treasure? What is your eye set on? And who in this moment is your master. And so uh, like all three of these, really, Jesus trying to reorient us to where we're looking in our anxiousness and in our fear and in our sadness and in our whatever the situation may be, that reorienting is if I'm looking to me, if I'm looking in, I'm never going to find the hope that I'm looking for because my hope is not inside of me. My hope is outside, and my hope is Jesus. Now, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he has implanted his spirit in me, so I have that spirit, the Holy Spirit, to convict me and hopefully help lift Mm -hmm. my gaze. But at the end of the day, I think one of the things that you said well is just, man, um, it it is where are we looking for hope? And, And I think the beauty of it is, and what I've seen in you as you've walked faithfully through this, is that even on days when it's bad, what you haven't lost is your hope. Even on days when you feel like, oh man, I'm all, I'm losing all my hope, um, there is a thing there that you do, I think, pretty well that uh, that keeps that from happening. So um, that was a long, long tangent. That was good. I'm sorry about that, but good. <laughs> good. I wanted to um, piggyback good. on that, and then I wanted to kind of pick y'all's brain about this. So. Uh, one of the things that for me and and you know my history with anxiety and with depression is that a lot of times I feel like you know the Lord can even use that to expose idols um, in my heart. And one of the things that my friends do for me that is just such a ministry to me is ask they ask me hard but really gentle questions um, to try to get to the root of kind of where my anxiety or my fear may be flowing from. And again, um, you know. I'm saying this as a 
a blanket, kind of like what you were saying, that uh, anxiety and fear can often stem from things that we don't even know are there. And so um, in our conversations with friends who are dealing with anxiety and fear, how can we kind of gently lead them? Um, and, and kind of like what you were saying just now, Jeremy, that a lot of times we can be instructive and that's not what people who are dealing with anxiety need. They, they literally need a friend who can just speak truth to them about the goodness of God, the love of Christ that's displayed for them, um, the righteousness of Christ that clothes them if they've put their faith in him. Um, just the beauties of the gospel. A lot of times, I know for me, uh, I, I, I need that. I need a friend who is there to speak truth into my life, to expose my mind again to the beauties of the cross, because there are many days in my life where I haven't even had the strength to, uh, to, to, you know, to reason or to think through these things for myself. And so, uh, what would you guys say is, uh, or what are some of the ways that believers can, you know, graciously direct people's eyes to Christ? Um, you know, Ed Welch, I read, he said, help at its best brings Christ early and often into a conversation. And so how can we do that without sounding like we're just giving platitudes or, uh, you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, I would say that, that, um, well, first I would say as leaders in the church and, and even non-leaders in the church, you know, we need to be on the lookout for people who are struggling with this because a lot of people are not going to be super, um, quick to divulge that they're experiencing these types of things. And I'm not suggesting you, you know, you walk around and ask somebody, Hey, you're struggling with anxiety, but, but we need to be on the lookout for those who might be struggling with this. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think, I think the first thing that, that believers ought to do is listen, um, rather than prescribe things or say things is just to listen, listen to their experience, um, ask them what they're walking through. And then the second thing I would say is to pray. Before I would before I would say anything to them is, is I would I would listen with them and then assuming they're a believer I would pray with them and then after that is when I would begin to try and like counsel them towards uh, the scriptures and maybe it's it's just reading the scriptures with them I and mean, that's that's much of what Jeremy did with me is just hey let's let's open the word together and let's read through these things that um, I know you believe to be true um, and let's not focus on you know do not be anxious but let's just focus on the truth of the gospel let's focus on the truth and character of who God is, um, you know, and I think it's really important that we not, um, put a timetable on someone's experience. Like we, we have no idea what the Lord might be doing in and through them through this season. So for us to prescribe what our experience was or to project that onto them or give them false hope, um, I think can be really damaging. And so I think it's best that we refrain from, from conversations, um, or statements related to how long this might go and rather just what we know to be true, which is the faithfulness of God and, and um, his spirit within them to walk with them regardless of how long the season is or how short it is. So that, that would be my thoughts on that. Yeah. I think that's really good. And, you know, so when revelation, when we learn that, um, that they overcome, right. Though the, the saints, they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Um, there's this idea that there's a, um, there is a looking forward. That's the blood of the the lamb, right? It has covered, it has purchased, it has secured for me an eternal, uh, salvation ever before the face of God, where I know that I will not struggle with anxiety. I will not struggle with fear. I will not struggle with doubt. I will not struggle with any of these things. There's a day coming. So I'm able to look forward in hope, but, 
there's also uh, an aspect there of looking back, right? Um, that word of the testimony. And my wife, it was um, several years ago, she said something, and she always surprises me, but and I don't know why, because she's brilliant, but uh, one of the things that she kind of dropped on me was this idea of intercessory faith, right? So when we see in uh, Hebrews 10, right, that we don't neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but we encourage one another, and and uh, we spur one another on to love and good deeds, and in those moments when I'm having a hard time believing the truth of the gospel, um, it is our opportunity, and I think really our responsibility to walk with our brothers in faith uh, and and press them towards the truth of the Scriptures. So in the moments when they don't or can't seem to grasp it fully, we want to believe it for them on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the things you said, man, I, I think our ministry, whether we are leaders in the church or whether we um, just walk into an ABF or... Uh, a gathering on Sunday morning, our biggest ministry is always one of prayer because the Spirit's going to be able to accomplish mm-hmm. far more in the heart and life of His children than we are. And so I think, um, yeah, two things that you said that I, I just think were huge. Number one is, is we pray, uh, and number two, and maybe you said this, Emily, but just that ministry of presence, the willingness to mm-hmm. be there and to listen, like you said, Matt, uh, without feeling like we have to have the right thing to say all the time when sometimes mm-hmm. what we're going to say is the complete wrong t- wrong thing so it's maybe better to just not say anything um, to just mm-hmm. pray with them and to sit with them but on the other side of that um, most of the men and the women that I've walked with who are really struggling with anxiety one of the things that we're able to do is kind of that looking forward there's a day coming when it won't be like this, right? There is hope. And because of everything that Jesus has accomplished, and none of it, none of it, none of it is incumbent on whether or not you're anxious or not. So your anxiety doesn't disqualify you from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. But let's look back and see if we can see the fingerprints of God on your life. And and so asking questions like, where have you seen the Lord deliver? Where have you seen the Lord be faithful even in the midst of your anxiety? Where have you seen these things? So getting them to look forward and to look back, I think, is is really important as well. Mm, that's good. Um, yeah, and I feel like so much of even just listening to you guys talk uh, has so much to do with our thought life and our thought patterns Mm -hmm. um, and habits of thought. And so it's almost like it requires like a retraining um, and a redirecting of our mentalities. Right. And, and so as you know, we walk with other people who are struggling with anxiety and fear and um, these really deep things. Um, I think the, the more that we practice that, that prayer, that ministry of presence um, and of speaking truth to them, uh, no matter <laughs> what their disposition is, you know, being that faithful person. And one of the things that I've just been so convicted of lately is just to see how the ministry of Christ when he was here, that he demonstrated, um, you know, that tr- he was true to God's character, but he demonstrated God's grace in that he, in uh, in the way that he treats me regularly, right, is that he he's not going anywhere. He's incredibly welcoming of me. He's gracious, um, but he's also truthful and he's uncompromising, uh, you know, towards you know my sin and my flesh. And so, um, you know, I think about that in the way that we minister to other people. Um, and I I love that concept of just the ministry of presence. And earlier, Matt, you mentioned 
just that we need to be so patient, right, with other people. And um, I think that's a supernatural gift from the Lord where he can give us that sense of patience and grace towards uh, the way that God is working in people's life, um, lives mm-hmm. and through all of this. So, yeah, that's so good. Um, yeah, this has all been so good. Matt, can you, um, you know, just from your experience and your insight into this, give some practical tips for those who might be listening and could be uh, facing fear and anxiety? What are some things that you've seen work in your own life to either prevent it or um, to really calm anxiety when you're in the midst of it? Yeah, that's good, Emily. I mean, I think even what you were just saying is so key, right? Because it really is about like retraining our minds. Um, and that, that can be really difficult because you almost tell yourself, like, just stop thinking these things. Right? Mm. It's like um, almost makes you think of them more. But if we think back to, again, what Paul was saying in Philippians 4, as he's talking about, you know, think about these things, whatever is just, whatever is honorable, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy. Right. And so I, I'll say this, like um, our minds will focus on that which we consume. So, I mean, if we are consuming um hours upon hours, days after days, weeks after weeks of uh, news or podcasts or music or TV shows or movies that, um, you know, aren't life-giving, then our minds will, will grab towards, uh, um, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm, um, not able to, um, you know, watch certain types of movies or listen to certain types of music. This isn't a commentary Mm -hmm, on that, but it is a commentary on that, which we reap, we will sow. And so I know that's been true in my own life. I can, I can look at specific instances in which I've done that. So some specific things that I've done practically to try and alleviate some anxieties, I've identified some of those markers has been to, um, you know, ruthlessly eliminate those things that I know cause anxiety for me. So there was a TV show that my wife and I were watching that we love to watch called This Is Us, right? And you might think, man, that, that bothers you. And it's like, well, almost every week I would watch it. And all of these real life things that they were experiencing <laughs> were things that would cause me anxiety. Yeah. And I finally looked at Jessica and I was like, I just can't watch this anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last 10 days, I've basically said, I need to get off of social media for a season because every time I go there, I'm stirred up towards anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead I'm trying to replace those moments with, uh, with prayer or with reading the scriptures, which should be the things that we ultimately are doing. Um, to, to fill our time well. So I would say reading the scriptures on a daily basis, I would say praying on a daily basis. And I would say if your prayer life is struggling, then get really habitual about it. Um, just commit to saying, you know what, I'm going to get on my knees and pray to God morning, noon, and night. Um, and even if that feels uh, legalistic, then I would argue, uh, lean into it, um, you know, and, and just say, Lord, I, this, I, I don't even want to do this right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to trust that you have something for me here. And I just need to, to you that I need you um, in this season. Yeah, um, another- I think one of the things you said that, that was really good, yeah. I'm just going to comment on it. Um, our yeah. tendency to think that things that are difficult are also legalistic and so we shouldn't do them is a really, really tough thing, right? So legalism, very simply, is I think that if I do these things, that I will be justified before God, or that God, now because right. I'm doing these things, He owes me something because I've done it, right? I've I've prayed every day. I've read my Bible every day. Therefore, you owe me, and you need to take this away. That's that's legalism. But discipline, which is, I think, what you're saying here, you need to practice this right. discipline, is kind of that idea of um, of Jacob, right, in the desert, wrestling with the Lord and saying, I'm not going to mm. let go of you. Um, and so... 
um, we find that that uh, Jacob he comes up walking with a limp, but God gives him a new name, right? Uh, although I do feel really convicted right now because my wife and I just started watching The Bachelor. Listen to your heart. So I'm not sure. <laughs> Please tell me. This is so if great. I should actually I so many questions be watching you that this. anymore. You've now given me a good excuse not to watch it. So thank you. Thank there you. There you go. But one thing, that, one yeah. thing that you've said, Jeremy, about spiritual disciplines is that a lot, and this has helped me actually explain it to other people. Um, so correct me if I'm misquoting you, oh. but you talk about like positioning yourself in places to receive like God's grace. So like it's not necessarily that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm somehow being justified by reading the scriptures or by praying and all of these things, but I'm putting myself in a position to receive the grace of God in my life. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's an, uh, isn't that's, that something that you've, isn't that profound? He, that, Jeremy's that, like, wow, that's really, deep. I didn't say it. That was Matt Chandler. He used <laughs> to always say we, we do okay. these things to position ourselves under the waterfall of God's grace. And so, um, man, I, I think the way that we practice the disciplines, and, and by nature, those things are difficult, right? We're going to struggle in prayer. We strive, we toil, mm. um, but at the end of the day, we want to be disciplined in it because it, it's like most of us, we don't do that with our job, right? I know that if I wake up and I don't want to go to work, I know that I'm still going to go to work because at the end of it, I get a paycheck. And so I've got that tangible reminder that what I'm doing has value for me. And in the same way, how much more value, how much more do we get from practicing the disciplines? And so much more than God owes me now because I've done these things, it's I'm going to position myself in this way. I'm going to practice this discipline because I know that the Lord will meet me with me. He has promised that he will meet with me. And it probably has far more to do with me and my own heart when I feel like he's not meeting with me than it does with the nearness of the Lord. And so, um, yeah, and, be disciplined. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Sorry. And Matt, on. oh, I was just going to, no. I'm sorry. I'm probably, I don't know if you're done or not, but, <laughs> but I did want to touch on something that you said, and I was going to ask you to go more into this. Uh, but earlier you had talked about um, how important it is to find other people to surround yourself with, right? Safe people, like even if it's just one or two people that you trust, that love the Lord, that love you, that are committed to you, uh, that you can just talk to about struggles. And um, I do feel like that takes a certain level of humility in a person um, to be willing to acknowledge our weakness to someone else. And so uh, what would you say to someone who is is dealing with fear and anxiety, uh, but is fearful of exposing that to the light and of telling someone, how would you advise them to go about seeking help from someone else? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing I would say is that you you can do it. Um, I think the enemy wants to convince you that you can't share it with anyone and that, um, that again, that there'll be shame there or that you will be judged um, or that you will have, um, you know, your leadership or your positions of influence questioned because you're struggling with anxiety. And I think, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. And so I would say first that, that you are strong enough that um, because the spirit is in you, I mean, first John four says he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And I believe that to be true related to anxiety. And so I would encourage you to do it, um, to, to share it with someone um, to, to kind of throw out that lifeline and say, I, I need to talk with someone about this. I'm struggling with this. I don't, I don't really even know how maybe to articulate what I'm struggling with, but I know that it's, it, it feels, um, you know, out of control and I feel overwhelmed by it and I just, I need help. Um, and, and you know, um, I think it's, it's 
huge that we'd be walking through struggles like this in biblical community where we can sit down with someone and share openly what we are struggling with and ask for prayer and just and just hear them pray over us um, a sense of the Lord's peace and um, that the Lord would use this for our sanctification, which I believe is, is true. He, he is using this for our sanctification. Um, and so, you know, I would say there are faithful men and women, uh, brothers and sisters at Highland who have, have walked this road, who would be eager to, to talk with you. Um, and so, man, they've, they've, they've walked this road or, or are walking this road at different times. And so share these struggles and, and um, kind of expose these things so that you might um, have an opportunity to experience some victory in the Lord and, and see how he might want to walk you through, through these seasons. Um, kind of on the flip side of that question, I would say as, as, as leaders, if you've walked through this before, I would say, man, you need to be, um, even more on the forefront of, of kind of, um, exposing this, right. Opening up to the fact that you have struggled with this. Don't be ashamed to say that you've struggled with it. I mean, I, I can think early on as I was, you know, helping lead this Bible study or or teach men's Bible study on Wednesday nights. And I was like, and do I share this? I don't know. Like, Hmm. I don't want to seem weak. I don't want them to think, um, you know, who's he to be teaching Bible, you know, the Bible Mm -hmm. to us if he's struggling with this. And, and again, I would say, and Jeremy mentioned this earlier, like having anxiety is not a sin issue. Um, there could be things in your life that, that you're, that you are, um, you know, dealing with or Mm -hmm. walking through or decisions you've made that have led to these things. Um, or it could just be the, 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 the state that we live in a fallen world that you're right. walking through these things. And so, um, man, don't, don't as a leader think, man, I can't share this stuff. Um, because, mm. uh, so you good. know, we need, we need leaders who are willing to share those things. Yeah. I think our enemy's greatest strength, number one, he hates us. Uh, number two, a lot of fear and then isolation, right? And so, uh, this is the Highland group cast and one of the big um thesis of our entire life i mean emily says it all the time i don't know if i believe it i do i do believe it 100 percent. is that we need community right uh and so we serve a god who is father son holy spirit a perfect loving community in and of himself and we've been created in his image not to live out and walk out our faith all alone but to do that in the context of community and so i think being known at the deepest level um, which is a really, really scary thing and a really, really hard thing is probably the most necessary thing in order for us to be able to grow and mature in our faith. Does that mean that we can't grow and mature um, without others around us? I mean, uh, I would say it's much, much harder Mm -hmm. that way. And so to know that you're known, to know that you're loved, to know that um, that you will not be left or forsaken to know that when God looks at you in the moment of your deepest anxiety, what he sees is holy, righteous, perfect, mine, all of it covered by the blood of Jesus, secured by his Holy Spirit, looking forward in hope to a day when all of this will go away, right? All of the anxiety, all of the fear. And I, and man, I, I think it just gives us great hope. And so I guess my biggest thing, if you're out there, and you're listening, and you're struggling with uh, fear, or you're struggling with anxiety, and you're doing that all on your own, man, let somebody know. If you if you don't know who to talk to, email me, jeremy-daniel at highlandbc.org. Email emily, emily-kelly at highlandbc.org, and we'd love to get you connected with some people who would love to talk with you, love to walk with you. 
Um, but don't do it alone. You're going to make it infinitely more difficult on yourself. And, and one of the things that we've talked about several times today is just that, that idea of being able to um, take every thought captive for the cause of Christ is so much more difficult mm-hmm. when you are in a heightened state of anxiety. That's, that's the issue. That's the problem. You're, you're not able to grip that thought and take it captive because it is spiraling out of control. And so the ability for people to speak truth into your life is going to be um, not only necessary, but I think crucial to you overcoming again. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, and you by yourself have nothing to do with either of those things. And so we need the blood of Jesus, and we need the saints to remind us often of God's goodness and the gospel. And so, um, man, Maddie, thank you for coming on. Thank yes, you for sharing. Thank I wish you. So good. we would have had like another hour. We're going to have to have you on again. Actually, I plan to have you on again when we talk about um, the scriptures. But I thought you were going to make a joke away. about recording this again. No, no, <laughs> we won't. Week. We will not record this again. <laughs> it won't. It'll okay. just, we'll just, yeah. But anyway, so uh, love you, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me both. I appreciate it. It was, it was good for me. And um, I think the more that you talk about these things, the more you minister to one another. So even in these um, conversations with you, I'm encouraged by both of your stories, and your uh, heart towards these things and your experiences. And um, we can always grow as we have these conversations. So I'm grateful that you guys asked me. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Thanks. Well, I'm Jeremy. I'm Emily. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>